0: Well, hello there. This is Evangelist Timothy Gruber here at the Word of the King, Holiness Bibles for the Blind. Ecclesiastes chapter eight, verse four, tells us that where the Word of the King is. There is power we may say unto him, "What doest thou?" And today, the Word of the King, uh, my
1: brother King Wolfgang, is going to bring forth a message to you straight from the infallible, inerrant, perfect, preserved Word of God. Uh, I pray now, may the incredible seed of the Word of God, which liveth in body forever, by the power of the Holy Spirit, minister to your soul.
2: Let us get started with a most unique, what will be a series. And I'd like to start on this series that I'd like to entitle Abraham, the life of Abraham, the life of Abraham, Jesus take the wheel, the life of Abraham, Jesus take the wheel, now, first I want to open in a word of prayer here, and then I want to explain that a little bit and then get into the message. And as I do, Tim, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 11 and be ready at Genesis chapter 11 and verse 26. Lord Jesus, we want to ask you now as we get ready to open your word and to study the life of a man that most people take to be a very faithful, very strong man of faith. Lord, but yet they have put him to almost a superman status in the faith, not realizing that, Lord, it took you to bring him there. At first, Lord, he was nowhere near that status. And even after he got to the point of being able to sacrifice his son and do some of the things he did, even then, Lord, he still messed up. People don't want to look at the mistakes. They only want to look at the good things. But, Lord, we also have to look at the mistakes. Because if we look at the mistakes as well as the good things, and look at the whole picture, Lord, we can learn something from the life of Abraham. And Lord, maybe then we can learn to finally allow you to take the wheel of our life. When we say, Lord, that we want you to take and guide us, we could finally, Lord, allow you to take the wheel. We could take our hands off the wheel and quit trying to drive our life, and we could finally say, Lord, it's time for you to take the wheel, and it's time for us to quit being a passenger, or even in the passenger seat, or even worse, in the back seat and be in a backseat driver, but it's time for us to just sit back and enjoy the ride and allow you to do all the driving. So Lord, help us tonight to allow you to take the complete control of the wheel by learning from the life of Abraham, from his birth to his death, seeing the mistakes he made as well as the victories and learning from those. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, Tim, I'm going to have you hold on one second, okay? Because I'm going to have you get ready to read. As soon as I first take us to a song that kind of tells us about this, even though it's a secular song, as they call secular songs, meaning it wasn't written by a Christian, nor was it sung by a, quote, Christian artist, It was was actually sung by somebody in the, quote, non-Christian world, Carrie Underwood. She sung a song called, Jesus Take the Wheel, talking about a lady who originally had, if you listen to the words of the song, the woman had been saved, was a believer, when you listen carefully to, to the lyrics, the woman had been saved and then kind of backslid on God, quit talking to God, quit doing things for the Lord. And then what? it took something in her life. And that was for her to be driving on the road, not even obeying the traffic laws, not obeying what she should have been doing. Here she's driving on an icy road, and all of a sudden... When her car goes out of control, she finally realizes when she could no longer do it for herself, that's when she took her hands off the wheel and said, "Jesus, you take the wheel." That's what the song by Carrie Underwood talks about. And then, of course, Jesus did take the wheel. The car got under control, the woman got the car it finally got under control. The car got onto the shoulder. And the woman was able to see where she had went wrong. She bows her head. She starts to pray for the first time in a long time. And she realized, look, she made a mistake. And thus she got back on the right track. Now listen to the words of this song. And you'll see what we're talking about. And then we're going to look into the the story of Abraham. And how he himself... And yes, he saw Jesus on several occasions, as we're going to see through the life of Abraham, and how he should have asked Jesus to take the wheel of his life. Amen. All right.
3: on a snow white Christmas Eve, going home to see her mama and her daddy with the baby in the back seat 50 miles to go and she was running low on faith and gasoline it'd been a long hard year she had a lot on her mind and she didn't pay attention she was going away too fast before she knew She was spinning on a thin black sheet of glass. She saw both her lives flash before her eyes. She didn't even have time to cry. She was so scared.
2: Amen. Yes. Something we all should be saying. Jesus, take the wheel. Now, Tim, we're going to have you reading, and every so often we're going to have you stop as we go along because we're going to slowly read from Genesis chapter 11, verse 26. We're going to work our way through the chapters on the life of Abraham. We're going to see what God really had to say about Abraham. Amen. So let's start at Genesis chapter 11 and verse
1: 26. How far are we reading now?
2: Well, uh, I'll let you know. And Kira lived 70 years and begat Abram. Nahor,
1: and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot, And Haran died before his father, Terah, in the land of his nativity, in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives, the name of Abram's wife was Sarah. The name of Dawor's wife, Milcah, daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and father of Iscah. Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law,
2: his son Abram's wife. They went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. Okay, Ho oh, Tim, that's good so far. Went
1: to Iran and dwelt there.
2: Okay, we're going to hold right there, Tim. Okay, now we see so far Abraham had been born. That's pretty simple, and now he's with his father. He grows up. He gets married. He has one wife at this point named Sarai. Sarai. At this point, his name is Abram. Okay? His name is Abram. And uh, sorry for an old movie that uh, has it all goofed up, the movie called Noah's Ark. Lot was not a brother to Noah. Note we find out right here. That in fact. Lot was related to Abraham. So we can already cover one issue right here. Abraham and Lot were related. So no. Noah was not skipping down the street with Noah. Uh, not hardly. <laughs> not really. Okay. Noah was not skipping down the street with Lot. Okay. They were not related in any way, shape, or form. Now, we see that they had lived in this one area. And then finally, the father and Abram, Sarai, Lot, and this group decide to move and go now we see they're moving, and he moves the group. Now they're moving on their way, and let's see what happens. Okay, Tim, now continue.
1: The days of two hundred and five years, Terah died in Haran, and the Lord had said unto Abram be out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, to a land that I will show thee. I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. Make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless him that bless thee, and curse him, and curse thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, and the Lord had spoken unto him.
2: Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old. He departed out of Iran. Okay, ho, Tim, ho. Okay, now, we get some information here. Actually, a couple pieces of information. First of all, Abraham, Abram is now 75 years old. Okay? Secondly, his... The guy that was his father or father-in-law had died. Ruth, you remember the movie Abraham? In that movie, there's something wrong. It shows Abram speaking with this man that's supposed to be his father and saying to him, well, I'm leaving. There's a problem right here. Uh, You can't speak to someone who's dead. You can't speak to a person and have them standing in front of you and tell them, hey, Daddy, I'm leaving. I'm taking my wife and my brother-in-law a lot, and we're going off. We're taking off. Why? Because, oh, well, uh, God called me to go. Uh, You can't do that to somebody who's got his toes cocked up and he's in the ground. They don't research the Bible very well. ah yeah. Uh, They don't research their Bible. You're right, Ruthie. But if we notice, how old is Abraham again? 75 years old. This is the first time that God actually speaks to Abram. Now, can you imagine? Tim, can you imagine, just like I did, when, when God first spoke to me, not in a voice that we could pick up like I'm doing right now. Record it onto a CD through a microphone that you hear in your ear. You can put it through. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about that voice that comes into your heart. That impression. We. You understand what I'm saying. But when God first speaks to you, it's just like what happened to Moses. It's like, okay, whoa, hold it back up here. Now, what we find about interesting to Abram is God speaks to him and says, Abram, I want you to take and to leave your father's house and your kindred, and I want you to go to some place. And what's interesting, I want you to go to a place that you don't know where I'm sending you, I want you to go to a place that I'm not even telling you where you're going. I just want you to pack up. And I want you to go. Don't worry about the destination. It'd be like, Tim, God speaking to you and says, Tim, just go to the airport. And when you get there, there'll be a ticket waiting for you because that's where you're going to go. And you're over there like, okay... Uh, am I hearing the right voice here? <laughs> I'm going to go to the airport. Or, or God speaks to you and says, Okay, Tim, whatever amount of money you got in your pocket, you go to the airport and whatever that ticket, that amount of money will buy, that's where you go. You get onto whatever plane, the first plane that you can get onto for that amount of money, and that's where you go. That's where I want you to go. Go to a land that I'm going to show you I mean, being told, this is God taking the wheel. This is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus taking the wheel, yeah, saying talking. to Abraham, okay, take now take the wheel. Take the wheel. Okay, now Jesus has got the wheel. Abraham is like, okay. He's told to just get up and go. Now, question, does Abraham do it? Let's see. Okay, continue, Tim.
1: Bought his brother's son, all their substance that they had gathered, souls that they had gotten in Aram. They went forth to go into the land of Canaan, into the land of Canaan they came, able to pass through the land unto the place of Sycam unto the plain of
2: Morris. Okay, Hope, I want you to stop right there. So, did he go? Did he obey? Yes. He he just packed up. He said, "Okay, okay, Jesus, okay, Lord, I'm gone. I'll go. You want me to go? Okay. I'll pack up. I'll go. I ain't gonna argue with you if this is you. I'm fine. I'm gone." And he packs up his he packs up his wife, packs up his brother in law, packs up everybody. He says, "We're out of here." Okay. So he starts to head out. He. Heads toward the land of Canaan. Has no clue where he's going to end up, but he's gone. He's he's on his way, okay? Now, he, he's headed toward this one place. Okay, now, Tim, continue.
1: The Canaanite was then in the land. The Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. There built be an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. He removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel.
2: This is 10. I mean that's the west, on the East. Okay, now hold right here. Now we got to look at something important. He stopped off in one place. Jesus appears to him. Now before God only spoke to him. Now God Jesus God, who is Jesus, appears to him directly. Shows right up. And tells him what? Your seed. Now, Tim, I want you to think on this. It takes two people to create a child. A a man and a woman. Now, it's obvious that Abraham, at that time since Sarai, Was fertile. He easily could believe that promise. And he's young enough yet at this time that he could believe this promise. Just like any of us could believe, well, if you got the money in your pocket and God says, okay, go to, just keep going, I'm going to provide for you, just keep going until I get you to where I want you to be. You could believe it. But if you ain't got a nickel in your pocket and God says, I want you to keep going... It's a little hard to believe. So Abraham is given a promise, your, quote, seed, your offspring. Now, as I said, it takes two to produce a child. So for Abraham to believe that was easy at that time. Okay, so all of a sudden he's still able to believe this, and then he continues on. He gets up there between Bethel and... In This other play, he's right in the middle of the two, and it describes right where he's at. Okay. Now continue, Tim.
1: Abram, you're going on still toward the south. There was a famine in the land. Abram went down into Egypt, Jordan. To there, famine was grievous in the land. It came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt. He said unto Sarai, his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee. They shall say, This is his wife. They will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Mm hmm. sake my soul shall live because of thee it came to pass that when Abram was coming to Egypt the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair princes also of Pharaoh saw her and her before Pharaoh the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house he had treated Abram well for her sake he had sheep and oxen and he asses and servants and maid servants, and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues. And Sarah, Abram's wife. Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why sayest thou, she is my sister? So I might have taken her to be to wife. Therefore, behold, thy wife, take her, and go thy way. Pharaoh commanded his men, serving him. They sent him away. His wife, all that he had.
2: Okay. Now,
1: let's stop
2: right at that point. Okay, good. We're going to stop and end with this point for this particular episode. But right here, I want to end with this thought. Now, think about this. Abram... Even though Shariah was his, quote, stepsister, unquote. So, yes, she was a sister, but a stepsister. He uses that as an, quote, excuse, unquote. Basically, he lied. A lot of us call it that little white lie. Now, here he, here he is, a man who has been spoken to by God. and he we're not even a man that hasn't even he hasn't been that old yet spoken to by god not that many years into it and here he is already using lies and trickery because of what he wants to save his own skin rather than get killed He'd rather tell a lie than, than be willing to tell the truth and stick up for what he knows is right. So my question that I'm going to end with is on this. If Jesus is really taking the wheel of your life, are you willing to tell the truth? No matter what anybody says, are you willing to take the tr- tell the truth? Even if it means taking the quote bullet unquote, if it's going to kill you, your ministry, or whatever, your testimony, whatever, so to speak, are you willing to take a bullet for it, so to speak? Even if it hurts, knowing that you're doing right by God, or are you willing to. Tell that little white lie, excuse me, It's you could call it little all you want, you call it white all you want, it's still a lie, okay? Because that's what Abram did. Here we have to understand he's already called of God, he is right with God, but he's still telling white lies. <laughs> he's telling lies all the same, saying, well, she's my sister. Well, she was his sister, but she was also his wife. Why not tell the truth? Okay? So the fact is, are we willing to tell the truth or a lie? The first thing that Abraham did right from the get-go, even though he was called and willing to go and step out on faith and go to a land where he did not know of, when the chips are down, he was willing to take a bullet. He was willing to take and say, well... I'll call her my sister. Why? Just so he could save his own skin. So the question is how about you? How about me? Are we willing to stand for God when the chips are down, or are we going to tell those little half truths rather than the whole truth? Amen. Amen. All right. You go anytime, Tim.
1: God declares, Abraham believed God counted to him for righteousness. You believe God here listening tonight. You believe God's testimony concerning His Son. Now, this is the record that God has given to us: eternal life, this life, and His Son, Jesus Christ. Love the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For all who have sinned, and come short of the glory of God, as it is written, "There is none righteous, no, not one." There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Yes, yeah. Revelation twenty-one eight declares, the "Fearful, the unbelieving, and the abominable, murderers." Sources, idolaters, and all liars, from their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, into the second death. Jesus said, He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again, see the kingdom of God, for man be born again, cannot see the kingdom of God. Must be born of God's Spirit, you're listening. Begotten again by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Begotten to a lively hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That if thou shalt confess in thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved with the heart, man believeth in the righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made of salvation. As it is written, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. same word over all is written to all that call upon him, both Jew and Greek. But God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we should be saved from wrath yes. through him. Come unto Jesus, dear listener. Come unto Jesus. Unto that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works. But any man should boast. For the wages of sin and death. Death and hell were cast to the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life. Was cast to the lake of fire. It is written in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14 15. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is true life for Jesus Christ our Lord. Come unto Jesus, dear listener. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. Acts 4.12 declares, neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name given under heaven amongst men, whereby we must be saved.
0: Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Oh, we're told, but as many as are the works of the law are under the curse, for cursed be everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, we're told in the book of Galatians, all oh, but here it is. But God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, shall cleanse you from all sin, for if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Menial, mortal, sin, whatever you call it all unrighteousness, God is faithful to forgive those who confess their sins to him through faith in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection alone. For by grace he is saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Call upon the Lord today. This is Evangelist Timothy Groover. Till next time, God bless you and yours.